And now everyone can be like, yep, there's James being James, taking it too far, going too far. And Schwartz starts saying, if you ever do that to me again, you're going to get put in a headlock. And all I can think about is the time when he felt it was necessary to not only pour a drink on Stasi, but then another time he poured a drink on his own girlfriend. But it's okay for you to do that to women, but it's stepping a line when someone does it to you, when a man does it to you. This is not just another housewife podcast. Celebrity gossip. Consuming my brain. You cannot tell me that for the last two years, all of these dates have not been blocked off with NFL stadiums. It is all happening. I'm Brett, and this is the Oops I Gossip Again podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful week. We have a lot to get into today. I am really hoping that this does not become a two-hour long episode, but there's so much that's been happening. And first, I just want to say I apologize for not having a podcast episode last week that was entirely unintentional. I had a really busy week with one of my jobs that required, that was like really time sensitive on things that I had to get done. And when I sat down on Thursday, I literally had one hour blocked to record that at that point, I didn't even know how I was going to have time to edit. I just knew I blocked out one hour to record on Thursday because I always record on Thursdays. And the minute that I sat down to record, I mean, my laptop was open, my microphone was plugged in, my settings were set. The moment I hit record, my ring camera went off, which is my ultimate pet peeve. The dog is barking. I'm checking on my phone, on the camera to see if it's something that I need to deal with or I can, you know, completely disregard and start recording the minute it's gone. And now my husband who never comes home for lunch ever, but when he does, it seems like it's always when I'm recording, got the look of death from me when he walked in the door and he knew, he knew exactly what he had done. However, I gave him a pass because he was sick. That ended up me turning into having to go and buy COVID tests and get him tested. And by the time I got everything done, that one hour window was long gone and I could not fit it in anywhere else. And I thought about doing it on Friday, but again, it was just, I took it as a sign that maybe I needed to just take a break for a week. But I do apologize because I don't like to do that without warning. Like if I know I'm going to be gone or I'm unable to, that was not my intention. It just entirely got swept up in the chaos of my week. But we're here. I'm back. And all is good on this front. So let's get into the things that have been happening this week. Morgan Wallen. There are a couple things I'm going to talk about that are not Bravo surrounded, but I, oh, I have to get this stuff with Morgan Wallen off my chest. And I tried to do that on social media this week. I tried. It was wild. There are maybe five times in the entire time that I've had my social media that I have temporarily or permanently turned off comments. And coincidentally, three out of those five times, they have been videos about country music world. When I say that the country music fandom is wild, all you have to do, because I've since turned the comments back on on these Morgan Wallen videos, all you have to do is go and read some of the comments. It's almost as if it's this blind loyalty that these people can do no wrong. Like the first time I had to do it, it was a video when Brittany Aldean made transphobic comments and Mary Morris, and I can't remember who... Uh, who the other person was. I, I, I want to say Kelsey Ballerini, but I don't think it was Kelsey Ballerini. Maren Morris and Brittany Aldean were really going in on it on social media over Brittany's horrific statements. The, it, it was bad. It was bad. And this is the same thing that culminated talking about the situation with Morgan Wallen this week. It's just like this fandom, they want to die on a hill for a person that they don't even know and like refuse to think logically or refuse to see a different side of it. So you might not have any clue what's going on. Let's talk about it briefly. Morgan Wallen is currently in his 
one night tour or one man tour. I don't know, something along those lines. I Last year I paid a lot of money for two tickets to see Morgan Wallen. He was very good. The concert was great, but I was not going to pay almost the triple the price of what they were for this tour. Saturday and Sunday, he was scheduled for two shows in Oxford, Mississippi. He played Saturday night's show. And then Sunday, Ernest, uh, I'm not sure if Bailey Zimmerman was on this night, but Ernest, Hardy, both did their sets. Everything was great. And five minutes before Morgan Wallen is set to take stage, they put up on the screen, like the, you know, big screen there saying that he is unable to come out because he's having voice issues and the concert is canceled and they're going to refund tickets. They're doing this all over the loudspeaker. They're like, you need to leave. Goodbye. Immediately, rumors and allegations start swirling that he had been out partying the night before, that he had been too drunk and wasn't able to take the stage. He puts a statement out on Instagram stories saying, I tried all day. I was doing everything I could. And up to the last minute, we decided it was not a good idea for me to get out and perform. Now, all of this is fine and well. Artists have these issues, especially when they are doing very large tours and they're doing back-to-back shows. It, it, it happens and there's really nothing that you can do about it. In the moment, my feeling was like, you kind of look sus when you don't come out and show your face specifically. So these rumors and these allegations are going around that he's drunk, that he's out partying. Now, let me tell you, this does not come from just out of the blue. It's not like this is unlike him, okay? This person has a history. A couple years ago, he got himself into some issues where he was during, you know, COVID protocol, he was out partying with college girls. He was seen in photos making out with multiple college girls. He was unhinged, in my opinion, because I'm going to say that because I don't need you Morgan Wallen fans coming for me anymore. He was unhinged in that aspect. Then he was thrown out. He There was video of him using racial slurs. Like he has a history of things that make it a little easier to believe that there's something else going on, not just his voice problems. But I made the video talking about the allegations and people went wild. They were like coming for me in the comments in a way that I hadn't experienced since the last time I talked about a country music situation. (laughs) So here's also kind of where the plot thickens. This happened on Sunday night. Sunday night, there is a statement by, I'm using air quotes, him on his Instagram story. Now, 24 hours later comes another statement on his Instagram story. And this part is important, and I'm going to explain why here in a minute. The first story was, you know, I have to, I can't perform. I'm really sorry. The second story was my doctor has put me on voice rest. I have to cancel the next upcoming shows. That was Monday. As I am recording this on Thursday morning, there has still been no formal statement added to his website. There is no formal statement on his Instagram, on his Facebook page. There is nothing other than two statements that were put out on stories. And the reason that this is important is because this is a tactical PR move. And like PR people talk about it all the time. It is tactical. And I can't remember if it was on my podcast or on her podcast, but Paige and I talked either on here or on Fame Horrors, her podcast, about Balenciaga and the Kim Kardashian. And she had put out a statement on her stories. Like that is purposeful because when you put out a formal statement on a professional feed, it it lives there. And yes, it can be archived. Yes, it can be taken down, but it has a different impact than putting it on stories where it's just 24 hours. Now there have been no formal statements from either of his artists that he's touring with. However, I did see that Ernest had replied to a tweet that said cap on one of his, you know, he was drunk, whatever. That's the only thing that's come out around them. But if they have canceled further shows, they have to rearrange those things at the very minimum, at the very minimum, I would expect from his team, a formal news statement being put on his website. That is your platform. That is what you control. That is your space. 
And as of recording this, the last thing that was put on their news on their website was April 11th. That had nothing to do with this. They have, however, taken the time to remove the shows that have been postponed. They did that, but there's no formal statement. And this is key. This is a way that they can move a narrative and put out a statement without technically putting out a statement. And this is not me being a hater or trying to push my narrative or trying to, you know, back myself up. This is just, this is PR 101. And it's now been four days and we still have nothing. So there are also two more things that are interesting to me. And number one, I said this on a secondary video, along with this theory about the PR that nobody wanted to hear. Two things can simultaneously be true. One, he could be drinking and partying too much. And two, he could have lost his voice. Simultaneously, both can be true. And here is why. In my real life, (laughs) I am in health and wellness. When a person is not taking care of their body, when a person is run ragged, when a person is in the, for example, in this situation, doing back to back to back shows, the body is exhausted, especially if you are not used to performing in that way, especially if you are not used to singing that much and that often and losing sleep while you're traveling. All of those things can be true. The body can shut down. The voice on this man may have shut down. However, if you also don't think that he is drinking and partying in between shows, I ask you to take another look at his history. There were people that came into my comments that were like, He's, he's really working on his sobriety. Can't you hear that in his last album? Yeah, because guess what? He has to do damage control from the shit that he did two years ago. And then they're like, he is sober. But then I see people on TikTok sharing videos of him shotgunning beers with Hardy on stage the night before. The man is not sober. But if you are a person that is working your body to the grind, doing all these shows. You need to be taking care of your body in the off time too. And do I believe for one second that Morgan Wallen is doing that? No. And now here's another comparison that I was not, absolutely not going to say on TikTok because I don't need to deal with that. Taylor Swift is out here doing a tour, the Eras tour, right? If you've been living under a rock, she's doing an Eras tour. Some weekends she is performing three shows. As an artist, She is probably taking care of her body very well when she is off. If he is doing all of these things in the off, it's going to catch up with you. Your body is going to shut down. That is just a fact. So the two things can simultaneously be true. Now, even if it wasn't his voice, here's another theory that I might have on a PR move. The argument of if he didn't lose his voice, why would he cancel three more shows? Because it's a because he's covering his tracks. Because if he had one bad night where he was losing his voice and he had to cancel a show, it would take him longer to recover. So why wouldn't you put out a narrative to cover your tracks? And and the thing is, yes, I understand that it takes money and time and effort by venues to do all this, but he has millions and millions of dollars to do it. He can make it happen. It can be a cover-up. It's not that far-fetched. It's public relations. He has a questionable past. He, I saw a comment someone put, and I can't remember if it was on one of my videos or someone else's, but I loved it. And it said, he rose to fame so quickly and he's now trying to backtrack. And I 1000% agree with that. And I said this when he got into all of his trouble with everything he did two years ago. He didn't know how to handle it. It came so quickly for him, he didn't know how to handle it. And now he's trying to clean the mess. And this is a perfect opportunity to do so. But if for one iota that this is true, that he was drunk and couldn't get on stage, this is a PR cleanup. This is nothing more than trying to cover it and fix his image. Allegedly, in my opinion. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm glad that I can talk to, I just had to get all of that off my chest because I can't do it on TikTok anymore without these country music fan people just coming for me. And I like more like Morgan Wallen. I like his music. His concert last year was very good. People are so stuck on this idea that he's this perfect human and nothing could be out of the ordinary other than being sick. And again, he might very well be sick, but I still think that it involves that drinking and partying aspect in the way that is 
like body has just shut down. Moving on to another music artist before we talk about Bravo. Miley Cyrus. It came out on TikTok. I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, but TikTokers were talking about how they found an album on Spotify, Apple, Apple, Amazon Music, all of the places under a name Carly Pierce. But when you listen to the album, it was unmistakably Miley Cyrus. I There's no person that I think could be emulated. There were theories that maybe it was AI, which I have heard some AI things that sound very similar, but the way that hers just kind of, it's so clear that it was Miley. And what made it even more clear is that once it started to take off, I listened to the entire album and it was fucking amazing. It was so good. Now this album under Carly Pierce was released to these streaming services the same day as Endless Summer Vacation, March 10th of this year. The album was so good. I I was thankful I got to listen to it one time all the way through. It was amazing. But immediately as soon as it started to, like picking up speed, it was probably within an hour that I posted about it and I posted about it very quickly in the morning that they were gone. Of course, the theories were like, did Miley Cyrus Hannah Montana is here? Did she put out under an alias? Are these songs that maybe she didn't want her label to have control of? I don't know. But the way that it came down so quickly makes me feel like these were illegally leaked, that these were tracks that she had, that someone put out there. You know, I remember... A couple months, maybe even longer, there was a moment where all of a sudden someone found an album that looked like R. Kelly had put out while he was in prison and it came out that they were illegally leaked. So they had been recorded before. They were really terrible, terrible lyrics. It was all bad. But again, they had been illegally leaked and they were very quickly taken down. I think that's what happened here in my opinion, but it was so good. And I just, I need us all to collectively support into the universe, like put it out there, tag or do whatever. Like if this are illegally leaked files and and whatever, we need them, Miley. We need an album. Like you need to compile them and put that shit out as is what it is. We don't need to edit it. You don't need to do anything. Just put it out because it was so good. And that's what we need. As much as I would like to talk about New Jersey Housewives this week with you, I think we're going to put that on the back burner because honestly, there wasn't really a whole lot that happened on the New Jersey this week. I Here's here's my two thoughts. Number one, I think Joe Gorga is the major problem. I, I, I think that he is the major problem. I saw moments of this week's episode where Teresa and Melissa were connecting in a way, like an underlying way. And then Teresa would go off the handle and say something just, you know, like, I don't have any family. I'm like, come on, Teresa, you had one shot. But I also feel like Melissa could be a really good catalyst for communication just between the two of them. But her stupid fucking husband gets in the way and she wants to be on his side. But I think deep down, she also knows that she knows how to communicate and the two of them don't. And the only thing that I see is that Joe and Teresa are the same person. They are the same person. Everything about them screams the same values, the same morals, the same actions and way that they grew up is deafening. It's so blatant. And I'm so tired of hearing Team Melissa or Team Teresa when in reality, it's Joe. Joe is the problem. Melissa is, is, to me, what I see is a very good communicator and she could be that for them, but neither, they're both so stubborn and so stuck in their ways that they can't see the sunshine from the clouds. There's also been a lot of talk this week that Teresa was unhinged. Andy said on his radio show that the between Melissa and Teresa, they do a lot of back and forth. He said he actually lost his shit on Teresa at one point. It's because we're all exhausted. It's because we are all tired of this narrative. And I'll say it again. I think the only way it's going to end is if one or both of them walk away. Who is going to be the one to put down their ego and say, I'm done? That is yet to see. If you want more of what I thought about the whole episode, you can go to my TikTok and watch my recap of this week's episode. But I just don't think that there was a whole lot there. And I want to save so much time for Vanderpump because this episode, this week's episode, was the most chaotic, unnerving, frustrating episode I think I've ever watched. I have now watched it three times. 
And it has only been like 14 hours since it aired live. I watched it live. I was live tweeting. That sometimes kind of like takes my brain off of all the things that I could have missed. So immediately as soon as Watch What Happens Live was over, I went back in. I watched it again. I went, holy shit, there are so many little tiny things that I missed. Then I, of course, watched it again this morning while I was putting a list together of my top WTF moments. One thing I can't stop thinking about is how I would feel about these episodes if we did not already know about Tom and Raquel. Like, what if we were honestly going in? Whose side would I be on when Allie is talking about how she saw Tom and Raquel at the Abbey? Would I be like everybody else? Because you notice she says it and nobody but Lala and Katie kind of bat an eye at it. Nobody else thinks it's weird. The people that are closest to Sandoval don't think it's weird. James, for example, Sheena, for example, because it's always been the quote norm, like all of these little things. Whose side would I be on? I can't even put myself in that place because Unfortunately, we know, we know the truth. Andy said it on Watch What Happens Live last week with, I believe Sheena was on, and he said, you know, it's astounding to me that someone can make these observations and everyone in the group can just be like okay with it and not bat an eye. And I just, I don't know whose side I would be on. And that frustrates me (laughs) because I think that kind of takes the intrigue out of it but that did not mean that there weren't like holy shit moments of every episode that's happened in this season and we open up with Allie talking to James about it right uh, actually I think that we saw a scene of Katie and Lala talking about it first but what ha- what kind of transpired off camera was there was apparently a girls night and maybe this will be in a never before scene because I would like to see how this actually played out but apparently there was a girls night and Allie had made the comment to the girls, like I saw them at the Abbey. And that's wherein Katie kind of makes the comment of, well, they I don't really think they have any rules in their relationship. It's interesting because later in the episode when this is confronted by Sheena to Sandoval, it sounds like they're trying to say that Katie is the one that said they have an open relationship. When in reality, it's James asking Allie, like, okay, what did they say? And she says verbatim, it was a no rules type of thing. And James was like, okay, well, that to me sounds like an open relationship. So it's actually James that made that shift there in the conversation. But of course, in this time and moment, Sheena and Sandoval need someone to take the fall for starting these rumors And it's going to be Katie because none of them are really on good terms with Katie. And remember, Allie has said that she is non-confrontational. She doesn't, and we see that every time, like in this episode, for example, when James is going off on Schwartz, she gets up and leaves. She has always removed herself from those situations. And even later in the episode when they're fighting inside and James is going off about the water, which he thought was 151 in his eye, she kind of puts him in his place and she's like, just shut, like sit down and shut up. Nobody wants to hear this anymore. This is a different person than what Raquel was. Raquel to James was like following him around, going off of whatever he said all the time. And we see that Allie is different in this relationship in the way that she's now putting him in his place. She removes herself from these confrontations But she felt trusted enough to say to James, like, hey, I think this is weird. I'm an outsider. I am seeing this. I don't know what the hell you guys do, but in my opinion, it's weird and it looks bad. But everyone else is just too close to it. They're too close to think anything of it. And when Sheena's like, oh, yeah, he's like a big brother to Raquel. And he's like, Brock is like a big brother to Raquel. And I would trust Brock in the same bed with her. I was like, oh, I bet you don't think that way anymore. It's almost like everyone who is almost brainwashed by him. And what I've noticed from Sandoval over the last couple episodes, and I keep seeing these clips on TikTok resurface of, I don't know, was it last season or maybe even the season before when Stassi has that book party or that she's doing that party for LVP and she's kind of running it for her. And Sandoval and Stassi get into that fight in the bar 
he has always been this way with certain women on the cast. He is that way with Stassi, always was. He was that way, he always is that way with Lala, and he's always that way with Katie because these are the three women that have challenged him, that have called him out on his shit. Whereas Ariana, obviously, you know, she'll make some comments to him, which we're going to talk about how that plays in. She makes comments to him, but she doesn't like really truly stand up to him and put him in his place. Sheena would never. Raquel obviously would never. There are some of these girls that challenge him and there are some that don't. And the ones that do challenge him are the ones that get that aggressor that, you know, his veins are popping out and he's standing over people. And especially when he's standing over women, it just, it gets to me. And he did it on last week's episode when Schwartz kind of called him out for his behavior. That was the first time I've really seen him do it to a man. Actually, in that episode, he did it to the manager, Brett, as well. But he gets this, it's like a switch flips the minute he's challenged on something. And that's when he becomes this aggressive person. But the other women don't challenge him on anything. So they don't get that. And we always look at it like, well, it must be the women that are bitches. And that's why he's acting out in this way. But now I think we're seeing it more from such an egotistical, narcissistic way. And I hate to fucking say it, but Jax has always been right. Jax has always called that behavior out as well. But it's another one of those examples where the group has this blind loyalty and doesn't follow because Jax was always the villain. Jax was always the one fucking up. Like, who's going to believe Jax? This is why I knew that I needed to talk about this episode so much longer because I'm already completely off on a tangent that I did not mean to get into so quickly. <laughs> Back to Allie. We have Allie who is non-confrontational. When they're at the beach, she had an opportunity, especially when Raquel makes that comment to her. Like, there's a flashback, actually, when Sheena's telling Allie that Raquel really likes her and Raquel's like, oh yeah, Allie told me I'm her favorite. Bullshit, bullshit. I don't believe that for a second. But there's this weird thing where I think Allie's trying to like be okay with Raquel and they're sitting there at the beach and Raquel's like, everything good, everything good. Yeah, well, you'll learn your lesson quickly. Like, stop, stop doing that. If you, if you really honestly think she's a nice girl and you like her, don't do that. Don't butt your fucking head into it anymore if you don't care. And that was the moment where Allie could have been like, yeah, well, you and Tom were at the Abbey. What were you doing? But she's non-confrontational, so she's not going to do that. She's going to take what they're saying because James told her, like, if you talk to Sheena about it, she's going to be honest with you. Sheena planted all these seeds that it's not a big deal, whatever. And Allie is taking that into consideration and not bringing it up. So because James takes this information and kind of alludes to, well, it sounds like open relationship, obviously that is when Sheena and Sandoval are going to put that on Katie. They need a fall person. Then we cut to a scene at the food truck. And as I was watching, even when I watched the previews for this episode last week, I felt as though this was the one scene that really, to me, I... I I've kind of tried to keep an open mind on their editing or their refilming or anything like that. But this one scene really caught me in a way that I felt like it had been filmed after this came out. Everything that the two of them discussed was so pointed toward Sandoval's narrative that he's been trying to push since Scandoval came out. First, he's asking Schwartz about Raquel. And you know, Schwartz has talked about Raquel, but not in a way, oh, I think she has a crush on somebody else, or I, I don't think I would sleep with her. I, like Things like that don't normally come out of his mouth. And it felt really awkward to me. And then we get into Sandoval talking about how Ariana is, you know, a, essentially a bad girlfriend. He's talking about how he's not appreciated by her. She doesn't give to him like he does when he makes her lattes in the morning. She puts him down. She doesn't stand up for him. It is creating this narrative. If this were filmed after this all came out, these are all points that are setting up to exactly everything that he has said since this happened. But if we look at it and I'll, you know, put aside, okay, maybe it was filmed at that time. If in, that's the case, then what he's doing here is he is already setting up a narrative in case he gets caught. I there's it's only one of two ways and that's it. So we'll look at it from an aspect of okay, now he's setting up the narrative. So he's saying all of these things 
because that's exactly what he wants. In case he gets caught, he wants a reason. He wants to be able to back up why he did it. And if he tells Schwartz, if he gets it on camera, but remember, all of this is happening and Schwartz already knows that he he and Raquel had hooked up. So that's why I'm like, is this real? Is this not? I don't know. He's already told them that they had sex, that they had a one night stand. He already knows that part. So this is solely for the way to justify his actions and to build a story of why he did it in case he gets caught. Then he also brings up the fertilization of these eggs. And that's setting up another thing because when we think about it now, he tried to say on the Howie Mandel show, they had never talked about that. But obviously that's a lie because they had multiple times already on here and they actually also talked about in the reunion last season. But it's like he's again building up this narrative of like, I'm going to do this because she wants me to, but I don't actually want to. The whole scene just seemed really forced. It was either filmed after this all came out by the both of them on purpose, which we do know that they did film scenes. Now, most of which I'm assuming are going to be like the finding out of things, but we do know that they continued to film, that they brought the cameras back. So it's not out of the ordinary that this could have taken place well after. And if it was filmed at the time, that's fine. He's setting up his narrative in case he gets caught. Now, what is never mentioned in any of that, because at that scene, he's talking about he needs to go on a cleanse so that he can go and get tested. There's no mention of what the time frame is between that scene, again, if it was filmed at that time, what the time frame is between that scene. And then we see Schwartz and Sandoval going to the clinic to get his, quote, jizz checked. I was just disgusted by that comment. It's not cute. It's not funny. Sometime in there, though, is when Ariana's grandmother passes away. Now, there have been allegations that when she got the phone call about her grandmother passing away, he was somewhere partying. He gets the phone call, she tells him, and he continues to party rather than go home to be with her until like wee hours in the morning. And now he's there at this clinic and they're getting everything checked and they're going through the results. This is an appointment that could have been postponed. This is an appointment that could have been rescheduled. Nothing happened at this appointment. Sir, why are you there? Why are you not with your girlfriend with her family. He is going on and on about how it's been a hell of a year for her and she's having a really hard time. Her dad died, her dog just died, and now her grandmother died. Meanwhile, you are out banging Rachel. Why are you not there with her family? It made no sense to me. This is not just like a random boyfriend. This is someone that you live with. This is your husband, not on paper, but he must be just so broken up. He must be so broken up for her. How about it being a perfect opportunity for you to have your girlfriend come over? I mean, I'm just saying. That's probably what happened, right? While she's with family and grieving a very important loss, he's probably having Raquel over for sleepovers. Now, I might get hate for this. (laughs) And you, you can feel free to tell me your thoughts and comments. You can DM me on Instagram, whatever. I feel like this was a huge, huge episode for James Kennedy. There is so much growth that I'm seeing in this man from his sit down with Lala to the blow up at the beach. When he's talking to Lala in that restaurant about who he wants to invite, he made a comment that said, I'm going to invite everybody. And that includes Raquel because people have been consistently leaving me out of things and I don't want to be known in the future as the guy that did that. This is a man who is growing up. He is, he. we've seen him go through the wildest of things over his time on the show. He's had massive, massive highs and he's had massive, massive lows. But him acknowledging in that moment, I'm not gonna uninvite her or disclude her because we're not on good terms and because she's my ex, I don't want to be that person I because I know that people are going to be like, oh, I see why you didn't invite Raquel. He wants everyone to feel included and he wants it to be a good space. 
And he says that openly. And that to me was just like, oh, it hit me right in the heart. And he knows that he's not on great terms with everyone. He's having some issues with Schwartz, obviously. He's going to invite him. He's inviting Raquel. He's he's making an open space for everybody. And the reason he's doing is because he has something in his life right now. He's really excited about this music festival. It is for everything he has gone through, being fired from Sir, losing jobs. You know, I'm sure that he went through a lot during COVID. You can't perform. You can't do all of those things too. This is a moment for him to celebrate. And he wants to celebrate that with his friends. He wants to celebrate that with everyone. He wants to share it with everyone. He wants finally some validation and some recognition from these people because they really have done nothing but shit on him for years. And he's just like, hey, let's have a fun little beach day. And of course, the one person, the one person who thinks he's so cute and so funny is the one to just set the whole thing off. Schwartz knew exactly what he was doing when he made that quote, bad joke. And he he knew what he was doing because then later he's like, it's a bad joke, it's a bad joke, but I stand by that joke. Like, which is it? He showed different sides of him in this one singular episode. I think he really showed a different side of him during that episode when they were having the white party, like the night that he made out with Raquel on that episode, before when he kind of went in on Katie at that hibachi, when she and Christina and Lala were having dinner, he showed some really true colors there because there's always this narrative that Katie's just really mean and we see this puppy dog side of Schwartz. And I'll take full responsibility. I didn't believe it. I thought that she was always the aggressor in this relationship. I thought that she was always the problem in this relationship. But we're starting to see a different side of Schwartz and he comes in and out of it. And it's almost like, he gets to a point where he loses that puppy and he gets himself into it and really goes in and then catches it and then comes back. So he makes the comment to James of, is it like Rochella? And it is not, there are people that are talking about how he overreacted and that they think it was too much. I don't think it was an overreaction from James at all. I have seen James have meltdowns. I have watched James blow up at people, be so freaking nasty to people. And I've also seen him break down with so much pain and so much hurt. And this was more of something like that in the middle because this was not about a joke. This was about him wanting validation, wanting to feel included, wanting to have some recognition, wanting to prove himself to this group. I feel like he's unfortunately just a really insecure person and needs that validation from others. And that's what he was asking for. He's talking about the music festival. He's talking about all these things. He's excited about it. He's explaining how big of an opportunity it is. And fucking Schwartz comes in and makes a joke. It's just another layer of people looking down on James and him not be good enough for them. So James rightfully so loses his mind. I mean, he, but in a way like the rant almost to me, he was speaking so many facts and he was just, it was like his last straw and he's never had that ability to really be that person that says how he feels because nobody takes him seriously. And that was his last straw. He lost it. And of course the drink in the face. The drink in the face is the oh my God moment. And now everyone can be like, yep, there's James being James, taking it too far, going too far. And Schwartz starts saying like, if you ever do that to me again, you're going to get put in a headlock. And all I can think about is the time when he felt it was necessary to not only pour a drink on Stasi, but then another time he poured a drink on his own girlfriend. But it's okay for you to do that to women but it's stepping a line when someone does it to you, when a man does it to you. And another little nuance that I noticed during all of this, now, I, it's hard because I guess we can think that Sandoval and James are very close, but I still feel like Sandoval and Schwartz are closer. Sandoval is nowhere to be found when all of this is happening, right? Nobody is really... They're all like, James, you need to kind of calm down. That was uncalled for. But there is nobody that's really stepping up to the plate to support Schwartz. And in one moment, I think that James is either stepped back in a way talking to Brock or Peter. I can't remember at this moment which one it was. But in the background, 
blurred out. You can see Sandoval kind of standing, turned around, watching all of this. He's not running over to be Schwartz's next-hand man. He's not running over to help him or support him or try to pull James away by any means. And that to me right there, that one little clip where he's back there and it's even blurred out. You can't, you, if I didn't watch it three times, I probably never would have noticed it. He's there only for himself in every situation. He is not there to support Schwartz. He is not even trying to separate them or anything. He is there for himself because he right now is going, oh my God, Katie is talking about how I have an open relationship. And so he's building up this shit in his head. And who knows, he was probably somewhere off with Raquel hiding in a corner as well, but he's there for no one but himself. At some point, he does kind of come over and be like, James, that was uncalled for, dude. You shouldn't throw a drink in anyone's face. And and then he ends up like shaking James's hand and is like, yeah, absolutely. You're right. It was a bad joke. But I'm sorry. Even if my best friend is in the wrong, she gets a drink thrown in her face. I am backing that bitch up. (laughs) Like, I am there to fight. Not physically because I'm very small, but I'm going to be doing whatever I can for my best friend. But I am not an egotistical narcissist either. (laughs) And coincidentally, while we're talking about James, he was on last night's episode of Watch What Happens Live. And I woke up this morning to a bunch of videos and tweets talking about how he was absolutely definitely on cocaine. He was high as a kite. What's wrong with him? He needs to go to rehab. All of these things. Now, I don't know if we have new Pump Rules fans coming in and they just don't really understand James or they don't know James. I have been a fan of James since day one of him being on the show. And again, he's had very high highs. He's had very low lows, but he's always been the same. He's always been that same person. And if you watch any episode of Watch What Happens Live where he's been on, that is him every single time. And honestly, I think he swore like three or four times in last night's episode And Andy never even actually told him to stop, which was shocking to me because usually Andy has to go and like yell at him multiple times. Like, you can't say that. You can't say that. And Andy just kind of let him go last night. I don't for one second. Actually, Andy did say that they were doing shot ski and James was taking a shot of water, which is great. And I feel like he was probably sipping on club soda. So that means he wasn't drinking last night. His mother was there. Do you think he's really back there? When while his mother, who is a recovering alcoholic, he's back there just blowing lines before the show. No, no, that is his energy. He is always that way. And if you watch the show, he's also in that way. But I think so much of it gets edited or he maybe the live kind of springs in that insecurity a little bit. Maybe it makes him feel a little bit more uncomfortable and he just starts spewing. I don't know, but that's James. That's who he is. Somehow the beach day gets swindled and they all end up inside of this bar on the beach, which was supposed to have been a way for the girls to kind of sneak away from the group, but it ended up not being so. And for one second, it almost feels like Tom Schwartz and Raquel and James are going to have a little bit of a truce. Everything's going to be okay. Schwartz is like, hey, I owe you both an apology. And James just like, listen, I don't want to talk about this Rochelle comment when she's here because it's not about her. It's about me and what I want. She gets pissy, storms off, and now it turns into an argument again between Schwartz and James because Schwartz just does not listen ever. He can be in these conversations and he can have his hand up to his mouth and look like he's intently listening with his glasses on. He doesn't. He doesn't pay attention to what people are truly saying to him. And Lala walks up and she's just like, what are you guys chatting about? And Schwartz immediately goes in and starts like throwing all these accusations. And Lala, I will say Lala kind of started this, but she's not wrong in my opinion. Lala kind of was like, no, dude, you deserve a punch in the face. And what I forgot Because it seems like this happened so long ago. What I forgot was episode one of this season where Lala tells Schwartz, like, I'm not messing with you. I don't want anything to do with you. And it's because he's still hanging out with Randall Emmett. And then there was that infamous, the same night, the infamous, you know, Tom and Tom on Watch What Happens Live, where he still was like, yeah, I still talk to him. I still see him. Now, Randall Emmett is his own worst enemy right now. And that man is 
like just destructing lives. And I completely forgot about it. So Lala's not just pissed at Schwartz for the stupid little kiss between him and Raquel. She's still pissed about that, rightfully so. Right before she says that, he is trying to explain what they're talking about. And he has like, you know that weird thing that he does when he gets nervous, he puts his hands near his face. Like this was him actually covering his mouth completely and whispering in his ear. And it was almost like he was trying to cover the cameras. I don't know. It was very awkward and weird. But she says the comment of like, no, you need to get a punch in your face. And he flips. So that's where I said he sometimes comes in and out of that nice boy puppy act. That's where he lost it. Earlier, he had a moment to actually, it may have been after, I don't know, when they're all kind of sitting in that big group and Katie and Satchel are sitting directly across from him and he meddles. He's like, hi guys, hi. He's trying to be cute. He's trying to be funny. He knows it's going to push a button with her. He knows that it's going to piss her off. It's just like, ignore them, let her be. But the minute that she makes a nasty comment, he comes out of that puppy mode and he looks at Sandoval and he's like, I'm so glad I'm not with Katie. Fuck her. I'm so fucking glad I'm not with her anymore. And it is not only just like the words that he uses, but his entire voice changes. It's no longer that calm and, you know, whatever. I'm I'm Tom Schwartz. His entire voice changes, his demeanor changes, his words change. And that's exactly what happened the minute that Lala said that. He popped out. His hands have been over his mouth. He popped out of that and went in on her. He went in on berating her about her business and her looks and what she does for work. And that was the fuse for Lala. And I really encourage you to watch that whole thing again if you have not because there are so many little nuances in the things that both of them are saying But Lala's trigger in that moment is him immediately saying, oh yeah, give them Lala. What is that? And like, he's berating her about having her own business. Meanwhile, he is fucking up his own. He can't even get his own open. And I think all of this rage that Lala had been holding onto, trying to not get into it with Schwartz, just came out in an instant. And he says all this and does all this and then tries to just walk away from her and act like nothing happened. She, of course, follows him to the table and she gets in his face of like, you don't come for my business. You don't come for me. And that's when he's screaming about what she looks like and all of these other things. And meanwhile, he is smirking and he is laughing and he is taking bites of chicken wings. And in that moment, he had an opportunity to be a man and to step aside and say, you know what? I'm sorry. You're right. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Let's talk about it. But he didn't. He chose to smirk and laugh and eat chicken wings. And then I thought it was just perfect when Sandoval comes over and he's like, or Schwartz says something like, oh yeah, and what is Lala anyway? And Sandoval's like, that's not even a real name. Well, either is Raquel. Raquel's not a real name either. I wish I could say that that was the last thing that happened in this episode, but it's not. It's not. Then we have Sandoval, who is now going to confront Katie about this open relationship rumor, which Katie's like, I did not say that, which they confirm with Allie. And Sandoval's sitting there listening the whole time, smirking, laughing, whatever. Every single time, Katie was so right. Every single time he is questioned about something. He deflects to someone else because they are in the middle of talking about him and Ariana, which by the way, he made a comment like, oh, and don't worry, Katie, Ariana already knows everything you said. So from the moment that Sheena spilled this information to you, you decided to call Ariana, who while you're partying at the beach is in Florida grieving her grandmother. Again, why aren't you there? You decide that's a good time to call her and be like, hey, I just want you to know this is what Katie's saying about us. No, I don't fucking believe for a second that he called Ariana in that moment. And if he did, piece of shit, even worse than he already is, he deflects and he immediately tries to turn it around on Katie and be like, what about you? You never took accountability for anything with Tom Schwartz. Tom was telling me, you know, oh, I'm so broken up. I'm so broken up. And you took no responsibility for ruining your relationship. Dude, this isn't about anybody else. This is about you. This is about you. But the only way that he knows how to keep his story straight is to flip it around on someone else. And that's where we ended this episode. (laughs) I've never felt like I had to watch this so many times, but there were so many little teeny, tiny, tiny nuances. Like 
when James gets the 151 in his eye, I completely missed the point when the waitress comes over and she's like, no, it was actually water. <laughs> I missed that part. Um, I missed the moment when James calls Schwartz and Sandy's, uh, you know, like a bum restaurant in Poop Hole Village. <laughs> I think I really missed the whole reason that Lala kind of flipped on Schwartz in the first place with her business, but also I completely forgot about, you know, the Randall situation of it all. There was a lot in just that one episode. And I'll go back to what I said in the very beginning of talking about this. If we didn't know already about them, I don't know how I would feel. Like I worry that I would be pissed at the girls for starting rumors and, and more so because it hurts Ariana in the end of it all. Not even because it's Sandoval because it would ultimately end up hurting Ariana. I feel like I would have a different perspective, but it, it's impossible to even remotely think about that. I think the Toms have really started to show their true colors in such a different way this season, especially Schwartz. I really did not expect to start this season and get this side of him. Like I expected, I think that I would be totally against Katie because I've always loved Schwartz. I, I, I think we all can collectively say that we've fallen for that little, you know, nice kid act that he puts on. But it's now seeing clearly that quick shift he makes and he comes in and out of it. And sometimes it's like the word vomit when he was on Watch What Happens Live. I think sometimes he forgets what part he's playing. And so how did he keep the secret of the affair and the one night stand for as long as he did without it slipping out. With that, I think I'm going to close out this episode. As always, I would love if you can leave me a rate and a review so more people can hear the episode. I feel like this is our little safe space. I feel like we've created our own little pod community here aside from social media, aside I know that you probably found me on the podcast through social media. But this is where we have more of a community where we can kind of dive into some more serious things. Like I would not have ever, I don't plan to ever talk about the Morgan Wallen situation on TikTok again, because I don't need that in my mental space. I don't need that in my energy, but we can talk about it here because we're a community. If you enjoy this community, if you love the episodes, if you love the podcast, please go and leave me a rate and review. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, you can send me DMs on Instagram. I do have my DMs on TikTok closed because they can get a little chaotic, but you can always, always leave comments. You, uh, If you're listening on Spotify, you can leave comments on these episodes and let me know what you thought of this specific episode. Or if you want to discuss further, you can send me a DM on Instagram. I would love that. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend and I will talk to you in next week's episode. Bye.